the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, April the 4th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On April 4th, 1968, civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr., he was 39 years old, he was shot and killed while standing on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, Tennessee. James Earl Ray later pleaded guilty to assassinating King. Then he spent the rest of his life claiming he'd been a victim of a setup. King was among, as we all know, among the most well-known American civil rights leaders of the 1950s and 60s. He gave his famous I Have a Dream speech at the March on Washington in 1963. In addition to advocating for nonviolent civil disobedience, King co-sponsored and co- I mean co-pastored the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, along with his father, Martin Luther King Sr. That's the same church that Warnock, Pastor Warnock, has been serving in. I don't think he does now, maybe in some unofficial capacity. But he was elected uh, to Congress this last year. He is, from what I can see, my personal opinion, is he is nothing close to Martin Luther King Jr. This guy is way out there. And he's way off the page. But nonetheless, he is a public servant in Washington, D.C. now, serving America, a land that he does not care a whole lot about. Which reminds me of, I remember this day well, April 4th, 1968. I was in a actually a graduate class in history at Bellevue College. It was Bellevue University. It was Bellevue College then. And uh, was in this history class. And uh, the the professor found out about this at the sa- at the time he was in the class. He stepped out of the room for a little while. He was teaching. We the class had just begun, and he stepped was called out. He stepped out in the hallway and talked to somebody. And you know it was so what. He comes back in and he's just raging. I mean like screaming. This professor. And I had never quite seen anything like I was about to experience. I've never forgotten it, obviously. And that's been, you know, several years ago now. And uh, and uh, he was so angry, he ran across the front of the classroom, and there was a flag over there, a U.S. flag. He jerked it off the wall and threw it on the floor and started wiping his feet on it like a doormat. And I'm sitting there, you know, I, man, I didn't grow up around that kind of stuff. And um, they weren't doing that in the Yakima Valley where I grew up and the city of Yakima. So um, I was taking it all in and I was thinking, man, what's going on here? So finally he composed himself enough. He said, they've killed MLK. They've killed MLK. And um, started just cursing and screaming. I mean, it was like demonic almost. And uh, I was, you know, cursing America and 
just on and on and on and on. And I said, I was stunned, man. I don't remember another word he said in that class. But I that was the first time I had seen anything like that. Since then, we've almost, unfortunately, grown accustomed to seeing people burning the flag and step, you know, wiping their feet on it and so on in the streets of America. But I had not seen that. That was my moment of awakening uh, to that kind of um, outburst. I had not seen, I'd seen angry people before, but I didn't see anybody mad at America. And I hadn't seen anybody wiping their feet on the flag. So that was quite quite a day for me as well. I, As I said, I remember it for those reasons. And I remember that that was the day that MLK was assassinated. Today in 1841, President William Henry Harrison, he died from pneumonia one month after his inaugural. He became the first U.S. president to die in office. Today in 1865, President Abraham Lincoln, accompanied by his son, Tad, he visited the Confederate capital in Richmond, Virginia. He was greeted by quite a large crowd, actually, and it included a lot of former slaves, and they were particularly cheering for him when he came out to give a little talk. Today in 1949, 12 nations, including the United States, signed the North Atlantic Treaty in Washington, D.C., NATO. Today in 1973, the Twin Towers of New York's World Trade Center were officially dedicated. Today in 1973, those towers were destroyed in the terrorist attack on September 11, 2001. Today in 1975, Microsoft was founded by Bill Gates and Paul Allen. Many of you know that. It was found, maybe not the date, but you know they founded it. It was founded today in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The reason they founded it there, they were college students at the time, as you know, may know. The reason they founded Microsoft in New Mexico is they were down there staying in a little motel. Uh, they were both students, and uh, they were they had taken off down there to, uh, to make a deal with this company that was making computers and to sell them their idea of this software that they had just developed. So they needed a company, so they formed the company there because they were there in meetings with these people. They made the deal, and Microsoft became a real company. (laughs) They had a client, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. I haven't been there. I don't plan to travel there to see the motel they stayed in, but I guess a lot of people do, and there's a sign there, I'm told, that that kind of tells you the little history of that little motel. It's one of those kind, you know, those old ones where you, each one has a little door that comes outside to the parking lot and all that, and I've seen pictures of it, but as I said, I have no plans to go there for that reason, but I have seen pictures, but it's kind of a famous little motel now. That was today in 1975. Five years ago today, the Federal Appeals Court ruled for the first time that the 1964 Civil Rights Act protected LGBTQ employees from workplace discrimination. I don't think anyone should be discriminated against for any reason. I don't think they should be treated that way. But this is interesting because today, five years ago, today, our Federal Appeals Court system They determined, they ruled, that sexual behavior is equivalent to ethnicity. You talk about racism. That's racism. But nobody says it out loud. To this day, they don't say it out loud. 
Boy, the evidence of war crimes, they say, is increasing as Russians retreat from Kiev in Ukraine now. Boy, that's brutal, what's happening there. The streets, they're saying this morning, and we're saying last night, the streets are littered with bodies. Hundreds have been found in mass graves. Children are being used by the Russian army as human shields. There's a story out this morning out of Europe. A Ukraine mayor, uh, this woman, uh, in a smaller, about 30 miles, a smaller town, about 30 miles from Kiev, or Kiev, as we now call it, uh, she, her husband, and her son were executed and thrown in an open grave. And there's a newspaper in Europe that's running the pictures of their bodies in this open grave. It, it's not good. And it's getting worse as this thing progresses. Franklin Graham is addressing this. Thankfully, Franklin always addresses things that need to be addressed. I'm a great supporter of his. Franklin Graham is urging the Russian President Vladimir Putin and Ukrainian President Zelensky to agree on a ceasefire during the 10 days of Easter observances. Franklin said yesterday, I've written to Putin and to Zelensky asking for a ceasefire from April 15th to April 24th. He wrote it on Facebook as well, on his Facebook page. He said, I shared with them that I'll be calling on churches in Ukraine, Russia, and around the globe to join together in prayer during those 10 days. He was in Ukraine with, I think, with Mike Pence just last week. But Franklin said, may we humbly unite before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, to ask for his help and mercy. He also wrote that he hopes that if they can agree to a 10-day ceasefire, then maybe they can stop fighting for two weeks. He says if they can stop for two weeks, maybe they can stop for a month. (laughs) Then he added this. He said if they stop for a month, maybe they can stop for good. He said, man, we've got to start somewhere. It's amazing. Since Russia began its invasion of February, uh, on February 24th, the United Nations is reporting that 1,325 civilians have been killed in 2017, injured as of Saturday. But man, those numbers, I mean, they published them this morning, but those numbers are way off from what I'm seeing and reading. And, uh, you know, maybe they're just trying to be accurate or maybe they're trying to, I don't know, maybe they're trying to influence how people look at this thing that's going on there, this war. But they're saying that among those killed 120 children, I really think it's much worse than that. And I've spent a lot of time looking at pictures and reading, and I know there's pictures being put out there that are bogus, that aren't actual. But I'm pretty convinced that it's more than what the U.N. is is, uh, reporting. The U.N. is also reporting that 10 million people in Ukraine have been forced to flee their homes. Franklin Graham concluded what he said. He said, I believe that God is the only solution. I believe that as well. In fact, God is the only solution. And I think millions of people around this world know that. They know that there is really no solution to the conflicts, the wars, the abuses, the killing, the maiming, all of that. There's only one solution, and that is Almighty God himself. Boy, if there was ever a time when we should humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways and 
ask God's forgiveness. It's now. To forgive our nation. It's now. Thank you to Franklin Graham for taking leadership on that. He's well-known and pretty well-respected around the world, except for homosexual activists. They don't like him in Europe and Australia and wherever uh, because he preaches the Bible, including that part of the Bible. They don't like him at all. But other than that, Franklin is very well-respected and, and loved in most parts of the world. Interesting, there's a story in Jerusalem this morning that's about, it's, there's a global campaign to support this, I guess, and it really has caught, taken hold in Jerusalem, but it's all over the, all over the world. These people are launching this, this uh, it's kind of a, a campaign to support the, the Ukrainian people. And the slogan they're using is, Ukraine can't breathe which is uh, kind of an extraction from um, I Can't Breathe uh, happening here in the United States, as you may remember uh, back a few months ago when the gentleman died under the knee of a cop. Well, they've picked up on that, and it's Ukraine Can't Breathe, and that was launched. I don't know if they're the first ones to do it or if they're just one of the loudest voices, but they're really giving leadership to this thing. But apparently it was launched, at least in in Israel, by the Friends of Zion Museum in Jerusalem. So there's a movement, a global movement, that aligns itself with what Franklin is calling for, a ceasefire around Easter and prayer. It's interesting. I want to talk to you a little bit about Joe Biden today, but I also want to talk to you about the latest events around Disneyland. Disneyland has had, or Disney Corporation has had, and is having quite an awakening, and they better wake up because they're on the cusp of something I don't think they anticipated, and I want to tell you about that in a moment. But Hunter Biden is renting a home in Malibu, California. He's paying $20,000 per month. It's on the beach, apparently. Twenty grand a month, and the Secret Service is renting a mansion next to this house that Hunter is renting and living in. He's there painting. He's following, he's honest, he's painting on the beaches of Malibu in a home that he rents for $20,000 per month. The, he has Secret Service guarding him, and the Secret Service has rented this mansion next to him so they can guard him. And that, I say they, you, the taxpayer, and me, we're paying $30,000 a month to rent this adjacent home to provide him with 24 hours a day, seven days a week protection. ABC News reported that yesterday. Actually, it was last night. So the president's son is living in this exclusive location, pursuing his art career, even as the critics call for a special counsel to take over the investigation into his alleged influence peddling, which is documented on this infamous laptop that everybody said didn't exist. They called it Russian misinformation just months ago, this same ABC. Now they're telling the world, their world at least, that's listening to them about Hunter and his $20,000 a month art studio or whatever 
there on the beach and the $30,000 a month house next door that, I don't know, Secret Service is taking care of him. He needs to be taken care of by someone. He seems very volatile. He's got a lot of personal problems. Walt Disney Company got a rude awakening last week. Both Florida and Governor Ron DeSantis and the state legislature publicly floated the idea of repealing an old, mostly unknown state law. It allows Disney to govern itself on Disney grounds. That's a pretty big deal because it gives them a lot of freedom and it's helpful to the corporation, of course. The grounds that Disney owns in Orlando, as in other parts of the world, starting in Orange County, California, now Orange County, Florida, with Disney World and other places as well. I don't know about the other places, but in Florida, uh, when they built were started to build uh, Disney World, uh, they were given a special arrangement where they become the governing agency within their grounds, which is, as I said, massive. The law was apparently put in place when Disney World, Epcot, all that other stuff started being developed and, and coming together. It was in 1967. And so since Disney has made this hard left turn against the values and the business model that Walt Disney himself had and the company had in those days, for sure. Disney keeps digging deeper and deeper in this hole that they're digging for themselves. It's one that they now find themselves nearly unable to crawl out of because both sides have turned against them, the conservatives and the far-left progressives. The progressives are saying, you're not doing enough for us. The, the far left, the, the wackos, they're saying, you're not doing enough for us. You're not standing for us like we want you to. You blinked over this issue a couple of weeks ago. And the conservatives are saying, you're not going to promote grooming my child for some homosexual predator. You're not going to do that. And so both sides are taking a stand against Disney. I don't think they saw that coming because they're asleep at the wheel. The siren of the leftist progressivism has lulled them to sleep as they speed along toward this collision with reality and truth. They're asleep at the wheel, much like President Biden was last week, and I'll tell you about that in a moment. He claimed that Michelle Obama is a former vice president of the United States. He wasn't mumbling. I mean, he said it fairly articulately. Michelle Obama when she was vice president of the United States. I'll come back to that in a moment. But on March 23rd here, just some days ago, I wrote the following in our column on faithandfreedom.us. That's our, our website. I said, Walt Disney Company employees at corporate locations across the U.S. are protesting Disney to force the company to fight don't groom kids laws, such as the Florida bill that restricts the teaching of sexuality and transgenderism to kids in kindergarten through third grade. So the governor and the state took a position on that. Employees across the country had declared a walkout. I said yesterday, that was on March 23rd. It really didn't materialize. There were some that walked out. There's, I guess there's a, a ton of gays that work for Disney. I'm not surprised, but I I didn't know that. I didn't have a reason to look into it before. But anyway, I think they were hoping for masses of employees to walk off the job. That didn't happen back in March, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so that was a disappointment to the activists, for sure, 
and it kind of gave Disney a little reprieve. At the time, I quoted Proverbs chapter 26, verse 27. It says, whoever digs a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. So I said, Disney is digging a pit, and the stone <laughs> has rolled back upon them. In an effort to play both for both teams in Florida, Disney CEO dug this hole, they fell into it, and the stone rolled back on them, biblically speaking. Both Governor Santos, DeSantis and the state legislator now have moved way beyond that. And that's why I want to talk to you a little bit about it today. This 1967 law, known as the Reedy Creek Improvement Act, that allows Disney to be self-governing inside its own properties. Obviously, it, put, it was put in place when Disney's values were very different, and they were trusted, for sure. I think this works kind of like if you've lived in or around uh, an Indian reservation, like the Yakima Indian Reservation I'm very familiar with, uh, and m some of my friends growing up lived on the reservation. Um, I th they have their own like police department. They have it. They function like their own, you know, little entity, kind of within a greater em entity. In this case, it would be the county in Florida and the state of Florida. So it, it's a pretty a good deal for them, for Disney in this case. But I, I think that's how I would characterize this, just to give it a little context. But Governor DeSantis said on Thursday of this last week, he, he doesn't consider this move to be retaliation against Disney. He said, we're looking at it as a matter of first principle. He said, I don't support special privileges in law just because the company's powerful and they've been able to wield a lot of power. State Representative Spencer Roach He's a Republican. A lot of them are there in Florida in the, in the legislature. He said there have already been two meetings discussing the path forward. Yesterday was the second meeting in a week with fellow legislators to discuss a repeal of the 1967 Reedy Creek Improvement Act, which allows Disney to act as its own government. If Disney, I'm quoting him, if Disney wants to embrace woke ideology, it seems fitting that they should be regulated by Orange County. That's Orange County, Florida, not California. That's Disneyland in California in Orange County. But Disney, as you know, put out this statement after DeSantis signed the bill. They said, well, this is, they begin calling it the Don't Say Gay Bill. And they begin to villainize the, um, the governor and the state because they say they were trying to give the impression, and they did to a lot of people, that this was an attack on gays. It really wasn't an attack on gays. It was a bill to preserve parental authority over children, little tiny kids, kindergarten through third grade, so the parents, by law, are given the right to know what their kid's being taught. That's what it was about. It didn't even use the word gay. It provided parents to be kept in the loop of what their kids are being taught. It prevents perverts from grooming little children, to be very frank with you, and a lot of people are saying that, not just me. Maryland Republican Governor Larry Hogan, he was taking shots at Governor DeSantis yesterday on CNN. He was talking about how bad this is and how, it, you know, it, it's not fair to the gays and this is an attack on homosexuals and on and on and on. He's a Republican. His words were profound, profoundly enlightening, to me at least, after blasting his fellow Republican, DeSantis, the governor and the Republicans in the state legislature, then he told CNN, and this is a quote, this guy, this 
this governor, Republican so-called. He said, quote, I didn't really actually see the details of the legislation, but the whole thing seems like um, just a crazy fight. He sounds crazy to me. He's on CNN blasting away. That's why they had him on there, a Republican, because they knew he would blast DeSantis and the Republicans in Florida. So he's on there doing that, and he hasn't even read what he's condemning. Hasn't even read it. And he he's naive enough to say so on television. I'm really opposed to this, but I don't know what it says. That's part of the problem we have in America today. Boy, the investors are upset about what Disney's doing. One of the consequences of Disney's digging their hole, their woke agenda from its bottom line, is a very real threat that shareholders will take a hike. And boy, one of them came out swinging this weekend, this Ray Keating. He has his Disney Biz Journal. He's the editor of that, and he's a consultant. And apparently he owns a lot of stock in Disney. He said yesterday, he said, here's a a suggestion for Disney CEO Bob Chapek. Get back to business. That is excellence in storytelling and stop wasting shareholders' money on political crusades that have nothing to do with Disney's business. He said Disney's management succumbed to political pressure from activists on the left, and now it's getting hit from the left and the right. He said, if I weren't a shareholder, I would find it amusing. But I am, and it's not. He's making the case that this Chappick and the rest of Disney management are embracing this crusade or taking money from the pockets of those whom, by law, they have a fiduciary responsibility to protect. He's absolutely right. They do. When you invest in a company, there is a responsibility of that company to kind of manage it with some sense of direction and ability. Disney's lost their way for sure. The Wall Street Journal wrote an article about it yesterday, the editorial board, and they ran it actually Friday night, but it was out there yesterday uh, over the weekend. But the Wall Street Journal says when Americans are presented with the actual language of the new Florida law, it wins support by more than two to one margin. That's from a new poll by Public Opinion uh, Strategies. Overall, 61% of people say they supported this law. 26% opposed it. Even Democrats support this law. Democrats. There's not one section of society that doesn't support this, what they're trying to do in Florida to give parents their authority, their parental authority in the public school classroom and to get away from this indoctrination of these very small, vulnerable children. Nobody on earth should oppose that. And the polls show that vast majorities of people, including Democrats, support what they're doing. It was President Biden who said on over the weekend on Saturday, <clears throat> he was commissioning, he and his wife Jill and some others, this USS Delaware, it's a submarine. In doing so, the president got mixed up with former First Lady Michelle Obama. The president commented, he said, when Michelle Obama was vice president, and he went on, he never caught what he had said. It was sad. The reason there's so much confusion today is found in the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. 
You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot have two gods in your life, is what he was saying. Thank you for your support. I'm out of time. We've got to go, but we need your support. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.